It's two redheads from our home studio talking about racing. We're always in our home studio, you idiot. Oh yeah, I guess. But hey, I, I kind of changed this one up. I, I put some work into this one. Dilner, we were testing a Zoom recording out. We're recording on Zoom and we were testing it out with you and Dilner for uh, Dirty Mo Media. And this was not the background I was using. I was in my room and he <laughs> made fun of me for it, which was All not right. fair. You've been using the same background for like three years and then Dilner makes one comment and you're like, yep, I'm going to change it. Dilner's comment was, Andrew, you're <laughs> Skyping from your bedroom. Like, you, and you had a guitar behind you. It's like, this is the only thing you would do with a girl there. Like you would get on Skype <laughs> or Zoom or FaceTime and be like, hey, what's up? Look at my guitar, my bed. You want to come over? <laughs> Yeah. Have you well, ever done that before? Have you ever a, FaceTime with a girl from your bedroom? Yeah, of course. It's not a podcast. So, I mean, you don't have to worry about it looking as nice as it would if you were recording for a podcast. True, true. But we've never done video before. So, like, if matter. I really cared about her, I would set this studio up. If you haven't been living under a rock for the last, I guess it's been three weeks now since we did a show, there hasn't been racing. So, that's why we have not been recording. So, we've been. Andrew's back in Chicago. That's a big deal, too. I haven't left my apartment. I went shopping this morning. But other than that, I haven't left my apartment much. You know, go running, the occasional jog through the neighborhood. But we're all home. We're all doing nothing. So we figured, let's bring you some content yeah, about exactly. not racing, which is, well, it is kind of about racing. But it's going to be a blast from the past. Yeah. Because that could be the title of the show. That's it. We figured it out. Wow. That's the title. Yeah, blast from the past. We're going to talk about how we started working in NASCAR, not just like, yeah, I started working at Dirty Mo and then did this. I'm going to talk about like origins when we were both like before we were in a teenager, basically. I think 12 was when I first launched the blog I'm going to talk about. And you were probably like around that age too when you started Same doing age. your stuff. Yeah, it was 12. We're going to talk about those days and things that we did to get to where we are now. It's if I'm 22, so it's like been a decade since I started doing work in NASCAR, which is crazy to think. I know. So we're going to tell, we're going to tell those stories. Yeah, man, it's it is crazy. My first like journalist reporting race, and I, I use air quotes because it was the most informal thing possible, was in 2014. Why was it informal? Oh, because well, it was informal from the fact that this was the very first race I did it. We grabbed a small microphone. What a, track? What? What track? This was a Daytona 500. So it was. this was a race junior one, the rain delay, and we stayed throughout the whole day. It was just like a, a crazy whirlwind of a day. And we grabbed a small microphone, camera, and just ambushed people, which, like, is totally – I mean, everybody knows now. Like, that's totally against the books in terms of, like, trying to get interviews and stuff. Like, that is – the worst possible way to do it, but that's what, that's how we started it. And I don't know how, but it just snowballed into something way bigger. So my origins don't start at the track. And there actually is a funny story I'll come back to about snow, um, ambushing people in the garage. Like once I get a little deeper into how I progress, that'll come up. But my literally my start, I joined Twitter in 2011. I was third, not, nah, not 13. That's probably 11 or 12, like 11 or 12 year old on Twitter, which is crazy. But I started following the NASCAR industry, you know, drivers and broadcasters and people I saw on TV and like that. I like their personalities, like watching them on TV. So follow them on Twitter. Like Twitter was such a cool platform. People were um, Twitter. And first of all, Twitter is way different today than it was back then. It was a completely different platform back then because you could literally say anything. You could interact with anybody. Just the rules of Twitter weren't really developed yet. So it was kind of it was way different. It was way 
um, unique, especially just to have all that access and people are tweeting you and responding, all that kind of stuff. So back then, so I started following this sport on Twitter, started following journalists on Twitter. And I was like, you know, it was pretty cool. Like I liked writing. I was a pretty, I was interested in writing. I was, um, I would do these when I was even younger. I'd love newspapers, like reading newspapers and sports stories and stuff. So I'd always like come up with my own sports stories and newspapers and write those. And so when I developed, you know, discovered Twitter, I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I was like, what if I had like a blog? Because blogs were like a thing <laughs> back then. This is like 20, this is 2011. And I didn't start the blog until after the 2011 season. That was right after the Carl Edwards, Tony Stewart championship battle, which I thought was really cool. I think that kind of like that excitement from that probably inspired it a little bit. But that off season, I created this blog. It was called Turn 4 Racing News. That was my very creative name. I never knew that. Way back then. This, this is why we're doing the show, so you can learn some more. Huh. So that was my blog. 2011 started. And the 2012 season, I started writing articles all the time. It was a lot of it was race recaps. And mind you, I was in eighth grade at this point. I was, you know, 12 years old. Eighth grade, writing these articles. And it was like, and then I'm tweeting them out. And that's how I kind of got attention. It was like made fans and not made fans but like interacted with fans and tweeted them the articles and they read it and they were retweeted and respond and stuff and one cool thing i did this was bef- during the same off season is twitter i told you rules are totally different so i did this thing it was called the 500 by the 500 i wanted 500 followers by the daytona 500 so i would so that was the goal so i probably had like you know 100 and something after the first season of being on Twitter or just interacting with people. Like if you interacted with someone that they, they followed you, like the rules weren't like, yeah. Oh, this is, um, I don't know, famous race car driver. Who's not going to follow random fan because they don't know who they are. This was like, I don't, I don't think I had any drivers specifically follow me, but like they would interact with fans all the time. So my 500 by the 500 thing was to get 500 followers by the Daytona 500. So the way I did that was literally tweeting people in the NASCAR industry who had lots of followers and asking, hello, like, hey, I don't know, Larry Mack, I probably did it to him. I'm trying to get 500 followers by the Daytona 500. Could you retweet this? And I would tweet everyone in the NASCAR industry that. And it worked. Like, it literally worked. They would retweet the stuff. All, they would all retweet it. And I would keep building this follower base and, you know, following them back and keep building it up. And I think I got, like, 800 followers by the Daytona 500. That was, like, my... Welcome to Twitter. Welcome this new blog I'm doing. I was posting all the stuff on Twitter and people were interacting, following me, getting followers, and that's how it kind of built up to start that season. Man, all right. So when you when you mentioned that, it reminded me of something like way before like cuz like when I started the broadcasting stuff, I created the name Checkered Flag Crew. Mm. But I had an Instagram account before that and it was like nobody knew it was me that was running it. It was called NASCAR365. If you look it up on Instagram, it is still, still there. running. Sorry, I deleted Instagram. I can't. Yes. Hey, right good now. good decision. Take a week off from the social media. Weekend, weekend. I'm with you on that. Um, but it was literally – and it, it would surprise me, like, how much growth it got. I was just posting mm. racing stuff. Yeah. And, man, that, that, that takes me back right there. Yeah. So just that, like – and that's why the rules of social media were different back then. Like you weren't posting your own content. You were posting other people's stuff and the rule, but there weren't strict rules against that. At that point, that was kind of people were figuring out social media, figuring out what was new. That's why Jason tweeting drivers and saying, Hey, can I get a retweet? Cause I'm trying to get 500 followers. No way. Would you do that? Today. No. Like, yeah, no, it wouldn't not work. At all. Wouldn't work today. Yeah, exactly. But it worked then. And that's how it started. So I wrote, I started writing articles that season and you know what Jayski is Jayski.com, yeah. right? 
So that was, at that time, that website, it was the first website I ever, I think, used on the internet. When I was like eight or nine and discovered that website and looked at NASCAR stuff. Good old days. Great stuff then. But that website used to have this article and links page where the guy running the site would take a bunch of links from different articles across the internet about NASCAR. You would actually send them to him and he would select which ones he thought were best and put them on this, um, on this webpage. And the whole industry would read this every day. It was like daily reading for everyone. They would go to this website, look at these articles, see what's interesting, and read them. And I was thinking, I knew that was a thing. So I would always submit the articles to them and never got it. It was basically, I was doing these basic recaps that were probably not really written well. It was just kind of like me writing whatever. And so I would send those and he just, you know, never posted them. Then one day, Bristol, this was 2012 Bristol. If you remember, that was the last race on the revamped service they did that sucked and had multi-lane racing and that guys were it was like they could run two and three wide it was terrible and the attendance that was the first race people were like whoa no one's showing up to bristol anymore the stands were like 30 percent full so i wrote an article about how it's time to like revamp go change the surface bring old style bristol back and I forget my arguments. I could probably go look it up, but like it worked. It was a good article. And he posted it on his site the next day about why Bristol needs and to. And that was like the big, big moment. Yep. And so I got like 300 or 400 views on the story that day. I was like, this is crazy. I'm a 12 year old. Maybe I was 13. Maybe I turned 13 by that point. But I'm like, I'm getting all these followers on Twitter. I'm writing these articles that are getting posted on this, you know, legit nascar website and people are like reading it like that was a whole crazy i just started doing this like five months ago and that's where i was so it was pretty wild man i've thought about this too like if you could like because as you grow up like you just see the sport differently and i think there was part of just the magic and i even think the frequency that we go to races now it's like and you've heard like guys like Jeff Gluck and Bob Pockers explain it. It's like some of the magic, you know, approach to NASCAR that you see goes away because you're accustomed to it. You're mm. at the track all the time. But when it was like that one race a year and you counted down yeah. two months out and you just could not wait to get to the track and everything was so surreal when you got there, I do miss some of those days sometimes. Yeah, that like I think everyone does this. When you first discovered anything you're really – interested and passionate about you probably enjoyed it most at that point it's like yeah when we started watching nascar that was probably the best like we thought that was the best and i know i argue with you a lot about saying how great things were in the mid 2000s because that was nascar's peak and that's when i first started watching so i just reminisce on how great the racing was and even right now fox is showing the 2001 atlanta race at um kevin harvick won and i wasn't a fan of that point but like watching that race it just like the crowd the racing the action like that stuff was so much better and i think truthfully think nascar was 10 times better back then but that's also the kind of effect of that's when i first discovered it that was like back when it's just you know all just you're in awe watching races all the time yeah i even remember going to some of these races so the daytona 500 was my first that was kind of like getting our feet wet Mm. Then we had a lot of time to think about it. And this is where my dad and I, and I had a friend Matthew at the time who we were working together with, and we were kind of trying to figure out, like, what would be the interesting approach? How would we basically, like, get a following, build a following? And I've still kept this, this kind of mentality today, but it's like ask questions and do things that are completely different. It's actually so funny. I was – because, you know, there's nothing to do now, so we – 
I, I go on a walk every day with my family and my dog Indy and my dad and I were talking one day about some of these old things and one of the things that I did this was the Brickyard 400 the second race we went to we had t-shirts this time it said checkered flag crew we had a nicer camera we wrote questions and prepared them beforehand and this was the race if you recall that Carl Edwards made the like earth-shattering announcement he's leaving Roush no. Fulmer Racing going to Joe Gibbs Racing this is like the race mm. the day we see Carl Edwards he's outside his hall and we're like we got to go ask him some <laughs> questions but my dad's like be different yeah. so I go up to Carl and I'm sure you could I'm pretty sure this is on YouTube so you can look it up and find it but <laughs> I go up to Carl I'm like hey listen I know there's a bunch of news about you leaving Roush but What's I'm gonna ask color? you some different questions so I asked him, if you were on America's Got Talent, what would your talent be? That was the question I asked him. <laughs> What'd he say? Ah, oh, man, I don't remember. I'll have to look back. Yeah. I, I feel like he said juggling, maybe, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So but we, it was like, yeah. it was just like some of the things, like he didn't yeah. know any better. I can't believe you, like they, like his PR didn't like stop you from well, like going yeah, to talk Yeah, I don't to him. know. I just walked up to Carl yeah. Edwards. Maybe because uh, I think the kid effect also... I don't think, like, you talking about yeah. going to the Daytona 500, and we, I've stalked some of your old videos when we're FaceTime with our friends and, like, sending screenshots of, like, you interviewing Danica or Miss Sprint Cup or Claire Bulang, like, just funny stuff like that. And I think it was a kid of, like, if you were, like, an 18-year-old and you're doing that in the garage, I don't think people would have, A, gave you an interview. But since you're this cute kid walking around with a microphone, they're like, oh, all right, this is fun, I'll do this. And so that was, like, you use that opportunity you had being a kid not that you were thinking about that time but like you use that to start and that was you're in and you just wouldn't have imagined planning it like that but like that's how it happened and it worked which is crazy yeah. that it worked all right so i found this video it's from august 12th 2014 65 views if you just look up my name carl let's play Angel the audio Carland, carl edwards on youtube you'll find it let's play the audio for that question so you've probably been asked enough about uh, leaving Roush, so I'm just going to ask you different kinds of questions. <laughs> so if you were on America's Got Talent, what would your talent be? <laughs> uh, driving a race car would probably be my talent. I can ride a unicycle and I can juggle. That's about all I've got. And man, my voice was so high back then, wow. too. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine being a 12-year-old having a high voice. Crazy. Yeah, I know. It's cr <laughs> Also, we're, That's like, first. I never started working, doing work at the track until I was like, old enough to get a hot pass when I was 18 but like you were doing this stuff in the garage at that time so my way to get interviews back in 2012 and this was Twitter again it was literally tweeting people asking you hey my I didn't ask them straight out for the interview on Twitter I would ask them hey can I send you a DM and usually they would follow you and say hey what's up and so it'd be like hey do you mind if I send you four or five questions in email can you respond like can I interview over email send you four or five questions and usually it's like yeah no problem for sure so I just scrolled back through some of the interviews from the, um, from my blog. You can go, if you want to go look at this blog, I'm not sure why you would, but if you want to, it's turn4racingnews.wordpress.com because I don't pay for the domain anymore. But that's where you can find the stuff. So I found interviews I remember doing. So apparently I interviewed Brendan Gaughan, um, Timmy Hill, which is so weird because he was on DBC last year, Rutledge Wood, um, Josh Williams, who is Blaney Spotter now, but back then I forget exactly what he was doing. And uh, Samantha Bush, which was crazy because she was one of the most popular pre um, people on Twitter back then. And then James Busher, who ended up winning the Truck Series Championship that year. Yeah. I tweeted him asking him to DM me, Kay, can I interview 
you in an email and they respond and they did it. It's just like no way that works today. It's like you just tweet, I don't know. I don't even know a comparable driver. I was going to say Ross, but Ross actually might respond to you and be like, yeah, sure, why not? But it's just like you wouldn't do that. You just wouldn't tweet a driver asking for a DM. They just wouldn't do that today. So it's crazy those initial beginnings. Like you ambushed guys at the track. I ambushed people on Twitter. We got interviews. We started, um, you know, building experience. I mean, this ambushing for me, it came to the point where NASCAR actually saw this and they're like, we were at Chicagoland and they mm-hmm. we weren't credentialed. We were totally doing everything wrong. And they're like, just with hot passes, right? With hot passes. Like you guys can't be filming in here. Like you can't yeah. be filming in the garage anymore. So it took some, like we had to literally explain to NASCAR, like what we were doing. They're like, Oh, this is great. Let's just formalize it a little bit. And then that's yeah. how we officially got credentialed while you're looking at some of your articles. I was looking at stuff from the media tour and that was such a surreal kind of crazy experience because like we literally went from being just like ambushing people and like wearing shorts to the track and sitting in the grandstands and like, you know, just like hanging out to like being pushed right into the media room and like there's like Marty Smith and Ryan McGee and all these massive names. It's like, oh my God, look at this access that we got right from the beginning. And it was just, it was crazy times. I remember, I remember that whole couple of days so vividly and I had a terrible, terrible cold and I was like, oh, please let this go away before the media tour and it didn't. And so like this whole time I was like trying to brave through it, but Hmm. man, it was just like, and that's that's where like all these people that we know at NASCAR yeah. now, some of the contacts that might not you know be the big faces or big names, but work real hard behind the scenes. Yeah. This is where you met everyone there, and it, it was a cool experience. And I don't know, I can necessarily you felt this, but like you're walking into this room with all these you know really important people doing their real jobs. And, you see, and, stuff. and yeah, I know. Yeah, but you're kind of like um, not embarrassed to be there, but you're kind of like you're just like I don't you really just belong hide here. The corner, it's crazy. Sit in the back. Yeah. yeah. Well, and so that reminds me of something we did at Chicago this past year. We were you were going to interview Bubba. We had the pool noodle and the inflatable tube <laughs> walking through the garage. And first, like in the morning, we were like, "No way, we're going to walk through the garage with this. That'd be embarrassing." But then we we're like, "You know what? It's actually this would be funny. This is like unique, and this is funny, and this is creative. Like, let's yeah, let's do it. Let's own it." So that's the kind of thing like going to the media room as a 13, 12, 13 year old and be like. I'm going to own, I'm going to walk in here, like, not that you're thinking this at the time, but, like, this would have been my approach. Like, this is, I'm doing something unique. I want to own it. I don't want to be kind of afraid of doing this. Well, the crazy thing was is as soon as we walked in, because there were four of us. There were four mm. kids. It was me, three other guys that I kind of, like, roped in, like, kind of got them to join the group, mm. the crew, right? And crew. so we walk into this media media room, and it is instant we start getting tweets left and right. And it wasn't even like, they didn't even tag us, but we're, we're like seeing tweets from Alan Kavana and Lewis Frank and a couple other people. It's like a bunch of eighth graders just walked into the media set. Like, who are these people? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and I remember like Joe Gibbs racing, like took a picture of us, like without yeah. us knowing, like we were sitting down, that was Boris. And they're like the checkered flag crew hard at work. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, Whoa. People yeah. are like, cause starting it's unique. To see it's us. like these, kids in the media center that's just something fun and it's unique and that's what content should be so it's like it worked clearly it worked yeah. and it was just creative on your part to do that yeah and i remember i had an interview with clint boyer which clint boyer by the way was my very first ever driver interview back in 2014 the 500 like set up. oh okay gotcha. and um 
So I saw him again, and each time with Boyer, even to this day, I know I can get a little bit more comfortable with him and try and do a little bit more with him. So I, I had my notes written down on like a small scrap sheet of paper that I ripped out of a notebook, and he just grabbed my notes. He's like, how do you even read this? I'm like, yeah. I don't know. He's like, you shouldn't even have notes. You should know it. So he held my notes the whole time, and I had to like do the interview without him. It was just like one uh, of those moments where you have to prove yourself to guys like Boyer and stuff like that. Um, I kept writing throughout 2012, doing articles and stuff, and tweeting, and like this blog kept getting a ton of attention and getting a lot of followers. That really helped, and people paying attention and just sharing it for fun. Like the writing wasn't good. I was in probably going to a freshman as a high school. Like I didn't know how to write. Yeah, it's just writing to do it, and it's kind of like you figured it out in a way. But looking back, all that experience building up, like I did that for like three or four years. And it wasn't just that uh, blog. I started writing for some other websites too. And that led to a couple years later, I started writing for popularspeed.com, which that's when we met when I was writing for them still. And that was like a big five or six years where I was writing for them and gaining really good experience and really learning how to write and really learning the sport and stuff. So that's what it kind of morphed into eventually. And at that point, I was really big into journalism. I wanted to be like a writer, kind of like a, at the time what Marty Smith was doing, Ryan McGee was doing, kind of like what Jeff Gluck's doing now. But then kind of like following the sport on Twitter behind the scenes and seeing what PR reps do, that became my next interest. I'm like, I kind of want to be a PR rep, just kind of managing the driver's schedule, doing their social media, doing that kind of stuff. So that was another influence of tw- like career- Twitter was influencing my career. When I say, what, what do you want to do when you grow up? Well, on Twitter, I saw these guys doing this thing. So that's what I want to be. So that's kind of crazy to say that too. I was thinking today that I went to Bristol the fall race in 2012, which was the only race I went to that season. And I went to my first tweet up, which I thought was so cool. Hmm. I'm going to go meet these people on Twitter. And I actually followed some people that were there. So I got to meet them. And it's all these older people. I'm like, I'm a 14 or 13, 13 year old. And I'm meeting like these older ladies who are super sweet. But it's like, how are you, Jason? And it's just like so funny. Just like that's how we know each other. And it's just so random. So today I was going back to some old photos. And I found this uh, photo from the tweet up at Charlotte this past year at the Roval, which is cool. But I was the one who took it, and I was like, from the year 2012, when I was going to my first tweet up in the picture kind of thing, and it was like, oh, the social media person on the track took it, to 2019, where I'm the one taking the social media photo, because I'm the one representing the Speedway on social media, and people, and Jeff's like, yeah, look at Jason, He's he works on Door Bumper Clear, smile, like, that's just crazy that, like, how far you could come, and how those beginnings kind of led you, got you started, and then pushed you through, and then you ended up, of course, a lot of hard work, but, like, you ended up somewhere really cool. I mean, I still look back, and a lot of me thinks, like, man, how did this all work out so, like, so to the book? Like, everything worked out as as we had hoped. And obviously, yeah, you mentioned a lot of hard work, but it's still crazy. I like to think about, like, how is this, like, my life? Like, how am I able to, to live? Like, this should not be the case. But, yeah, every time I go to the track, it's, like, still surreal experience. But, yeah. No, I think this is good. We'll probably have some more stories to tell. Like, well, I'm not, not sure if we'll record again, but like um, we'll now we don't really we don't really think about this beforehand. But now that I'm thinking about it, like stuff just comes back. So we'll have some more stories. We'll do it by the year. We did it. This was basically 2012 this, to 2014. 12. Yep. Next time we'll do 15 to 16. How about that? Yep. Yeah. No, that's good. We'll go with that. Cause, but once we get to those years, that's when I started like actually going to the track and doing stuff. Yeah. And, and that's when you started doing some more, even more stuff. So yeah, let's do that. We'll do a part two with stories from our origins of working in NASCAR, which is pretty crazy. Part two. And yep. Hey, and this show's getting some good exposure. You keep shouting us out on DBC. I appreciate it. 
I always thought like what like doing of course I enjoy doing this podcast. And they call you like, out for what? doing the plug too. <laughs> yep. And I didn't even plug it. I'm like, I didn't plug it. And they're like, oh, what are you gonna say it? I'm like, I'll say it, but like I'm not trying to plug our podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See. But if it happens, you know, why not? I was thinking like now with this whole remote podcasting that we're doing at Dirty Mo Media, we've been I've been doing remote podcasts for like six years. Like we started three We've been years doing ago. this. And this is actually yeah. this right here, the Zoom recording is yeah. probably the most formal way we've ever done it. Yeah, exactly. Which is crazy. <laughs> but like I've been doing this ever since I was in high school. And that's part of the next part of my story was starting new podcasts and radio shows and stuff. But like never thinking that I would get hired and then there would be a virus that sends everyone home and keeps everyone home. And we have yeah. to, I'm instructing Dirty Mo Media on how to remote podcast, which is just crazy that it worked out. I'm like, what's the point in doing all this? But I'm like, it, clearly came point and they're syncing their audio the same way that we've yep. been doing it for years literally every single time we start the show it's jason saying three two one hit it, hit it. i was always so like when we first started talking this is like a couple weeks before we knew we'd have to remote podcast i'm like kind of embarrassed to like that's how we record it but guess what like that's how you do it so i was like you know what? hey and it sounds what we like do. we're in the same room so yeah, what's exactly. the difference Exactly. You know, we're not in the same room. We're in different states. Thank God. I would hit you. <laughs> I know. That's why. That's why I'm glad. <laughs> ever. But don't worry. We'll be in the same room eventually this year and record pod. Yes. When this all is behind us, I'm very excited to get back to the racetrack again. Absolutely. So we'll come to you maybe in a couple more weeks. Get some content out there. Hope you enjoyed these stories. Let us know what else, like especially at this time. I don't want to talk about what's everyone else is talking about, which is the iRacing and all that other stuff. We're just going to talk about unique stuff to us and stories like this. So tell us what else you want to hear about. It's like, what do you want to know about how we started the podcast, how we got here, other stories from our origins in NASCAR. But yeah, I think this is good. Yeah. And we'll have another episode, you know, next couple of weeks. Yeah. You know, we always appreciate those tweets and uh, telling people because we, we really, we don't have any data or metrics. So um, anytime you guys tweet that you're listening to the show, we appreciate it because we know you're out there listening and that we're not just talking to nobody. Absolutely. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at Hey Jason Schultz. Follow Andrew at Andrew Curlin TV. And that's my reminder to get my ice cream out of the freezer. So I think I'm going to go do that. All right. We'll be back with some more positive energy next time on Redhead <laughs> Racing Radio. You know it. <laughs>